Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Online and on DAB Digital Radio. Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Talk Sport 2. Hello and welcome to the show. There's plenty to discuss this week, not least the retirement of one of the best cricketers to ever play the game. He goes again, he's got enough of it and it's another one over the top. So Peterson starts to light it up. We are going all in on KP this week, as well as uh, bringing you a preview of the Test Series between New Zealand and England, which starts uh, in a few days' time. But on the subject of KP, Steve Harmison is with us, and here's a taster. There was nobody fitter than Kevin. There was nobody stronger than Kevin. Mentally, nobody stronger than Kevin. When he practised, he practised with purpose. He practised... He was so single-minded, he was so driven to practice exactly what he wanted to then go out on the field and deliver and that's why he was so good and this week's test of time takes us back to Centurion in 2000 and one of the most infamous test matches of them all Chris Adams joins me it's incredible to find out that he'd succumbed to the dark and murky world of uh, match fixing you know it just fall foul of that mind-boggling this week's county preview, Warwickshire and Dominic Sibley will tell us what their priority is this season. You're listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. And with me as always is Johnny Norman, who's been on a lovely trip. I think he's been all <laughs> over New Zealand this week. How are you doing, Johnny? I'm doing good, Goffy. A holiday whilst on holidays, how you described it off air. Yeah. Well, um, I've never known anything like it, mate. I mean, it's like <laughs> it's like going to the Russia World Cup, but going to Poland every weekend. It's, no, it, it's... no, it isn't. It's like me and you. Remember when we were in Joburg, 2010, and off we pop for three days to Cape Town. Can you remember that? What was, that? what was the name of that? That beautiful hotel. Lighthouse? Camps Bay, Camps no, Bay no. is it? Is it? Oh, yeah, we're at Camps Bay, weren't we? Right there oh. on the... Oh, it was beautiful. We didn't want to go back, did we? 
Do no, we have we to go didn't. back? Do we have to go back to Jobu? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Uh, no, I've had a lovely, lovely week off between the ODIs finishing and the Test matches, which of course um, get underway on Thursday. I, I want to stay down in the South Island a couple of days longer, but my, you know, I, I want to be back for cricket week. That's what I've done. But I tell you what, um, beautiful trip down to Wh- Windy Wellington. Um, if you don't like flying, don't fly there. Uh, after that, uh, the boat over to Picton and we went to Blenheim, which is, you know, all the famous vi- um, wineries uh, that you see on the TVs or when you're at the supermarket. They're cloudy all Bay. In one- cloudy Bay, I was there yesterday. Yeah, Cloudy S- Bay, my oh. favourite. I've been over there a couple of times. I looked after us, barbecue, the players. We didn't want to leave. Oh, Wine tasting, they give, us a, they give us a spit bucket. I've always thought, what's a spit bucket for? <laughs> I says, I don't need that, mate. I said, it's £45 a bottle, this. I'm not spitting it. <laughs> I'm drinking it. Oh, well, I I had a couple, I must admit. It was absolutely beautiful. Beautiful, as uh, Alan Brazil would say, if he was at work. Um, but, yeah, I'm back. Flew back from Blenheim this morning, just so I could make it back in time to do Cricket Week. Uh, so much to talk about, Goffey. I was gonna, I was looking forward to talking about Test Cricket. I was looking forward to looking at the Test matches. Broad Anderson, New Zealand, the threat they're going to pose. But big news that uh, you broke on uh, Drive Time uh, last week is that uh, KP, Kevin Peterson, has played his final game of cricket and what a career we can look back on here on Cricket Week. And that's a beautiful stroke with which to make your maiden test century last test match of the Nashes series. That's it. He's got his first one-day hundred. Absolutely magnificent innings. I think he's enjoying that moment. Oh, it's a win. Going to the line and it's cleared it again. So Peterson goes with his second six. Hey, don't worry about going into the breeze, Kev. You've got plenty there, mate. The short boundary on that side. Keep going that way. He goes again, he's got enough of it, and it's another one over the top. So Peterson starts to light it up. One hit away. One hit away. There it goes! Go, boy! Go, you good thing, go! Kevin Peterson, 100. Back on his home turf at Kingsmead. The crowd stand as one. A wonderful knock. What a story for the Ramslam and Dolphins cricket. Kevin Peterson, born in Durban, coming back after the illustrious England career. Turns out in his first game at Kingsmead with a wonderful hundred. Absolutely fantastic stuff, and it really sums a man up, doesn't it, Goffey? Because he's, he made his name uh, for England. Uh, some of them never really accepted him playing for England, but in the end, it was the freelancer, uh, the T20 specialist, the man who went around the world and really set the game alight. A pioneer, a maverick, and a mate. Um, yep. For you, what is uh, what, what is the, the all-encompassing memory, the big memory that you're going to have about Kevin Peterson, the cricketer? Um, do you know, I, first tour I did with him was to, I think it was Zimbabwe, uh, South Africa. It's, and it created headlines from the moment he was selected. Um, we immediately hit it off. Uh, the coach, Duncan Fletcher, just said to me, listen, we're going to pick... Uh, said this towards the end of this year, we're going to pick a player who's huge talent, but um, his personality is quite strong. 
Um, and we're going to pick him to go to South Africa, and we need someone with a strong personality to look after him. I said, who is it? And they said, Kevin Peterson. I said, all right. I said, I played against him uh, when he played for um, the Dolphins, Durban, and um, a few years earlier, and he'd been doing well for knots. I'd not played against him in county cricket, so I he knew I was a person that never judged someone until I'd met them. And we hit it off straight away. What a nice guy. Um, absolutely brilliant. And we went out there, and the first time I saw him play, I remember this, the first time I saw him play in the nets, I went, oh, my word. I was bowling at him. I was 35 then, so I was coming towards the end of my career. But I was bowling at him, and I was thinking, dear me, it's time to get out of this. He, he, some of the shots he played, I have never, ever seen it, ever, ever seen it from an English player. Um, obviously brought up in South Africa, which probably explains it. But he brought that energy, that new style of play to England cricket. And when you look at players now playing ODIs and T20 cricket for England, just think Kevin Peterson. He was the guy that broke it. He's the guy who first started playing that way. Not Owen Morgan, Kevin Peterson. And everyone has followed him. And that is the future. And he, he saw that 10 years before, any, well, five years before anybody else. You know, you uh, you summed it up absolutely perfectly, Goffy, because I remember, like you, I wasn't bowling to him, but I was watching. Um, and I've spent my life watching cricket. I cannot remember a time in my life where I didn't love cricket and I didn't watch England play cricket. And I remember that first ODI series. Actually, it was the first televised one. He played in Zimbabwe. You, you were just talking about it. But the South Africa one was on TV. And I remember me and my brother watching it. And we were... The way that Kevin Peterson, coming up against a brilliant South African attack and coming up against a team where he was getting a barracking like, uh, like no other, and the way he went against that South African team... Um, I think two or three hundreds in that one-day series and a, and a 70-odd. He won games of cricket for England, and I hadn't seen anything like it. Fast mm. forward to that final test match at the Oval, and I remember watching that and thinking the mentality of this man to take on Brett Lee in the manner that we saw on that day was unlike any innings I had ever seen played by a man in an England shirt, and it will live with me uh, for the rest of my life. I've asked him about this, um, but when we've obviously, um, we, we're good friends, and I've, I've asked him about this over a, a beer and things, and I asked him about the Oval, because uh, I was there actually as a fan that day, went to watch. Uh, That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah I actually went, mm. yeah, I just turned up and uh, went and watched, and it was amazing. He, um, he was getting battered just before lunch, if you remember. He, yeah. England were in a position where they had about 130 lead, um, yeah. And Brett Lee were balling rapid. Um, <laughs> and he was ducking and swerving. He could have got out a couple of times before lunch. He's hit the splice in the back. Gloved, yeah, and all that. And he said he went in at lunch. He sat down. He says, this ain't happening. He said, there's no way I'm going back out there and trying to survive. In going back out there, I'm taking him on. Yeah. Um, and he went out there and he hooked and he pulled and he flicked and he cover drove. 258 and England won the Ashes in 2005 and I'll go back to the start of that series as I said I played in the one days right and yeah. like I said we'd, we'd taught uh, Zimbabwe South Africa we'd come back we both were in the one day squad uh, we knew the mentality of the players going into it what what our game plan was going into uh, the Ashes they were even talking about the Ashes during the one days and we said we're not bothered about winning these uh, one days what are we going to do is set the tone on how we're going to play the rest of the summer 
this is a New England. This is the way we're going to play. We've got players who can attack the spinner, players who can attack McGrath and all this stuff. They were going on. And this is during the one-day series. And um, obviously, I was going to the end, and I was loving it um, because I was obviously, let's say, slowing down a bit, but I was still thinking, still thought I could ball at 90 miles an hour. Uh, <laughs> and I tried. But I said to KP, how are you going to play Warney, mate? Um, how are you going to play Warney? He says... Why do you think I went to Hampshire? He said, I've been stood at slip for the last 18 months. He said, I'm going to slog him. Slog him? I'd played with some great players, Alex Stewart and Mike Atherton and Thorpe. And then if you'd have asked them how they were going to play him, they would have said, see him off. See him off and score against everyone else. He said, I'm just going to slog Warney. I'm not going to block him. I'm going to slog him. I'm going to run at him. I'm going to run at him. And that's what I'm saying. The mentality of a batsman to go in like that just changed it all. And when you've got a player who can play at three, four, five, six, wherever you, wherever you wanted to bat him, and attack the the best spinner in the world, it just changes the all setup of the team. Let's hear what uh, David Lloyd, former England coach, of course, now pundit with Sky Sports, had to say about KP, uh, the best England batsman he's ever had the privilege of watching. He got you on the edge of his seat. He could do things that other players couldn't do. Most exciting player that I've seen. You're right, I've seen lots of players through different eras and they do change. And in that modern era, which he played in, it was get on with it and push on. I thought he was a terrific player, very tall batsman, so he had long levers, he could get right out to the ball. Memorable innings, there were so many. Well, my memorable innings, uh, Goffey, and I think the best overseas innings by an Englishman ever. Um, when England went to India, beat India 2-1, um, and that innings in Mumbai uh, just, <laughs> I mean, it, it defied uh, expectation, it defied belief. Um, the sad thing is, though, of course, is he going to be lost to England? I mean, wh- where now for KP? Well, you've seen he's doing all this stuff now. Um, I do the same. I've been doing stuff with uh, the Rhino now for a couple of years. KP's gone really into it. Um, he's set up his uh, own kind of foundation, charities, Swarry, um, serving obviously the Rhinos in Africa and in India. He's got huge support from Bollywood stars, and I think he's going to go 100% into that uh, and try and get the recognition he deserves. He came and supported my dinner last November. And I think you're going to see him commentating. That's what he's going to be doing. He's, um, I think what he wants to do, having chatted to him, he doesn't want to be a coach, but he wants to be an advisor. Um, but will England use him? I would very much doubt it. I think you'll find one of the other teams around the world might, might pick his brain somewhere along the line. I think he might turn up at the Big Bash um, as an advisor or something. One of the teams might pop up at the IPL. But I think you'll see him as a commentator over the next, uh, that'll be the next part of his career, next 10 years. Mm. Commentator. Well, I wonder if there's any... Uh, Might surprise a few, that. Might surprise yeah, a few, but I think that's what he, he... He seems to be getting into it. He did a bit, didn't he, on the big bash, as well as yes, playing. It's very good. He did the IPL... Much better this year. Much yeah, better this year. Yeah, he did the IP, IPL last year. Um, and I think he's doing it again this year. And what I've found about him, like I said, this year, he became very outspoken. Last year, he was a bit quiet, wasn't he? he, didn't, he yeah. Get his... He wanted to be everybody's friend last yeah. year. But this but, year, he yeah. realised that, uh, I mean, whenever we speak to Harmy and Steve Harmson will be on the show a bit later, that's the thing that Steve always said about KP. Um, he said what he thought. And that's that's what you want from a commentator as yeah. well. 
So, Saying uh, that though, just, just to sum up his personality, because everybody thinks he's just this big brash, goes out there, does it whatever. Kevin is a very shy guy, right? I know that might surprise mm. a few uh, people. He doesn't like big groups. Um, he does like um, company with one or two people rather than a big group. And I think that's what uh, went against him uh, when he played within um, an England team when you got like groups of six and seven all mates with each other. He liked just one person or two per, pe- people to be around. He loves his golf. He's a generous man. He's got a heart of gold. But I understand as well on the other side how he could rub people up the wrong way. And that was because he's very outspoken and he, he would, within a dressing room, that's when he comes out, um, that he comes out the, uh, the winner in him. And he just says it as it is. And some people don't like it. Brilliant stuff, Goffey. Uh, fascinating insight, and uh, it will be interesting to see exactly uh, what happens with KP. But one thing is for sure, whatever he does, um, he's not going to go quietly. Uh, you're listening to Darren Goss Cricket Week on Talk Sport 2. Online and on DAB Digital Radio, Darren Goss Cricket Week on Talk Sport 2. So normally, Goffey, uh, the big news in the week that a Test Series is starting would be the Test Series itself. But of course, uh, Kevin Peterson's uh, retirement put a kibosh on that. But now is the time uh, to talk about this series. Um, I suppose, I mean, I'm down here in New Zealand, you're in England. It's uh, it's a series that's uh, probably going under the radar a little bit, let's be honest, after the ashes. Um, but... There's some uh, pretty serious uh, career decisions that are going to be made in this two-test series. Uh, James Vince, Mark Stoneman know that uh, really they've got to make it count. And uh, there's a lot of headlines down here about Stuart Broad, who um, appears to have lost his opening or his uh, new ball partnership with Jimmy Anderson. Um, So that'll be interesting. Alistair Cook as well. Um, One of the stories in uh, the Daily Mail... Paul Newman writing that he actually thought about quitting midway through the ashes. It was uh, getting that bleak. So um, England go into this series as far as I can see. Everyone tipping them to win, but it's the same old uh, same old situation with them, isn't it? Well, it, yeah, it is. Um, England, New Zealand, obviously after the ashes. I think people are actually getting that. Thinking, is it still going on, that tour? It's the longest tour ever. Um, Tell me about I, it. Yeah, it is. And I think... But I'm actually looking forward to this. I think there are two sides that are kind of evenly matched. I think New Zealand's form has been better in Test cricket. You only have to look at England away from home. They've no win in 11 tests. No win. That That, that is quite remarkable uh, to have no win in 11 tests uh, for, for, for England. You have got players like Broad, who's on 399 test wickets. I expect him to play in that first test. I expect him to get his 400th, which he'd usually deserve. But it's a massive series for him. I totally agree. To be demoted now to first change, if you want to be brutal about it. Uh, you've got Vincent Stoneman, who are under pressure to perform. There's people breathing down the necks. Livingston is one of them. Uh, Habib um, is back uh, getting runs. Not big runs, but he's back getting runs. He got runs for the Lions. You've got Moin Ali, who's playing his 50th test. He had an atrocious tour. Um uh, to Australia, 19 he averaged with a bat and 115 with a ball. So, yeah, you're right. It's a big tour for a few big players in this England mm. team. 
Ten years ago, Goffey, I was here in New Zealand, um, and this is well documented. We all know the story. Steve Harmison, Matthew Hoggard, part of the uh, England team that lost in Hamilton, and Michael Vaughan, Duncan Fletcher, made the decision to drop them both. Hoggard never played again. Harmison did the following year to win the Ashes, or was part of the team that won the Ashes. Um, the two bowlers that came in, in place of this, this famous duo, uh, were a six-foot-five uh, aggressive medium quick who'd been in the uh, in and around the side and the one day team for a couple of years and um a guy who could swing the ball both si- both sides of the bat uh, had been in and around the test team for about 5 years both undoubted quality uh, and the decision that was made was one that was backed up with the amount of wickets that Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad have gone on to take for England uh, over over 900 between them now we find ourselves in a position where um, Jimmy Anderson, uh, I mean, his average is actually getting better over the last year or so. Um, we know that we've only got a couple of years of his wizardry left. But Stuart Broad, as we've just made know, is under a lot of pressure. Uh, and there's a lot of talk out there about dropping Broad. There certainly was during the Ashes. But 10 years ago, we had Anderson and we had Broad to come in for Harmison and Hoggard. Do you think that when Broad does go, and Jimmy, do we have two bowlers waiting to take up the mantle and go on and produce the kind of uh, wicket-taking spells and ashes-winning uh, spells that we've seen from these two bowlers? Um, not yet, but I think at the time, if you would have said Jimmy Anderson would have gone on to have destroyed uh, batting lineups up all around the world, I would have said the same thing. But I think what, what happens is, with confidence, you, you get in and you start get wickets, you get 100 test wickets, you get 150, you get 200. The confidence is growing all the time and you believe. And I think what they'll be hoping for is but Wokes, who has improved over the past two years. He had a disappointing tour to, to Australia, but most of them did. I think they'll be hoping he steps up. Um, he's going to open the bowling with Jimmy Anderson, I've no doubt. Uh, about that whatsoever I think in the first test at least uh, Mark Wood um, is one I would have in my side purely because of his pace he can he can break partnerships uh, but all depending on the uh, the wicket at Eden Park which can be flat when I've played there oh, it can be mm. very very flat uh, Mark Wood's someone who's got a bit of extra pace he might play uh, but I can see it being um, Wokes and Anderson and Broad first change because in the two warm-up games I actually think Broad bowled quite well um, he bowled with control which we come to expect now from him because of his experience um, and he picked up some wickets so I, I expect Broad uh, definitely to start the first test whether he makes the second one it will obviously all depend on how he bowls in that first test but I think we've got um, Overton both Overtons Mark Wood and Wokes one of them you need one of them to step up, basically. Just one of them. Uh, let's hear from Mark Wood, actually. You, you, you made mention of him. There is some talk that he's going to play and he could actually take the new ball. Uh, he spoke to Sky Sports News after those uh, warm-up games. I was a little bit shocked when Rudy told me yesterday that I'll be opening the ball. And obviously, um, Anderson and Broad are such a prolific partnership. And for him to ask that of me was, was a nice feeling. And um, it was an honour to open the ball with Jimmy today. 
uh, an honour indeed. Uh, big two tests for Mark Wood, and mm. uh, there is a there is a school of thought. Uh, and bear with me on this one, but let's say that Ben Stokes, who uh, in terms of bowling might not be able to shoulder the amount of overs that we uh, we we come to expect from him, and if he can't, then obviously that's going to change things. But if he can, is there not a case to be made that instead of playing Chris Wokes, who we know, we know all about Chris Wokes, we know what what skill set he brings to uh, to the table, but if you've got Stokes and you've got Anderson and uh, to to a certain extent Broad as well, um, could England not do without uh, the likes of Chris Wokes and instead of him play someone like Jack Leach? Uh, to give him a game, to get him experience. Um, and so a year from today, when England are in Sri Lanka, or a couple of years Mate, from today... Mate, it's took him two years to pick him in the squad. What's up with you? He just had an unbelievable air tour, uh, Jack Leach. We've been talking about him for a while. Yes, he plays on helpful wickets at Somerset uh, with Don Best. Between them, they were excellent. But they both did well as well in the Caribbean uh, against the West Indies. Um, Mason Crane was the one... After a disappointing um, test match uh, debut, which I would have said, listen, it was a bit harsh uh, to let him go with that. But then when he went to the Lions and struggled with his form there as well, Jack Leach had to come in. But it, it took injury in the end to get Jack there. And now you're saying, play him. It took him two years to take him on a, on a tour. Well, you, you know how it, how it works. Half the time... Um, you only have to be in Sydney to get a game at the SCG at the end yeah. of the Ashes. I think. I think. But, with, yeah, go on. I, I just think with Jack, though. I, I, I just think I can't see him playing in in, in um, Auckland. It's same again. No. I think England would have gone into New Zealand tour. They've had so long to think about it. They've basically picked their test team. They've picked their eleven. Those two warm-up games meant nothing. Honestly, they didn't. They've picked their eleven. Livingston getting runs. Does it matter? Yeah, it's great for him coming into the side, show he, could, he belongs there. But are they going to pick him? Realistically? No, no absolutely yeah. not. Well, there you go. So no. th- this is my biggest, what I can't do with. England have picked their team to play that first test, no matter what happens in those two warm-up games. The only deciding one, if Broad would have bowled poorly in those warm-up games, he wouldn't have played. He would not have played. It would have been Wood, Anderson, Wokes. And Stokes. That would have been the attack. But because he bowled really well, he bowled with control, he had a stronger action, he's looking to hit the seam upright, uh, rather than at the angle he's been hitting it, he's worked hard uh, the time he's been home, and like I say, he picked up wickets. Not, nothing major, he got two for 46, both get two for 46, two for 36. There's no way they're not going to pick him now. He's got 399 wickets he plays. Not going to, he's not going to be stranded on three nine nine. We're um, look. We've got Steve Harmison coming on very shortly. We'll uh, we'll talk to him a bit more about uh, about the England. Uh, well, he was one of the ones that were dropped for Broad and Anderson all those years ago. But uh, we can talk to him about that. But also talk about KP. I mean, he shared a dressing room even more recently uh, than you yourself did. Um, and I'm sure Harmy might have uh, something else up his sleeve he wants to talk about. Uh, plenty more to come on the show as well. A brilliant test of time coming up. Uh, Chris Adams joins you to look back at that infamous Centurion test back in 2000. And uh, Dom Sibley, who uh, a year ago was a sorry boy, but now he uh, plays for Warwickshire. And Warwickshire is the focus of our county preview. This week on Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. Online and on DAB Digital Radio, Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Talk Sports 2.
pleased to say it's that time of the week where we welcome Steve Harmison to the show. Harmy, I hope you're doing well, matey. It was snowing down south, uh, according to the pictures I saw on Twitter. So I'm guessing you're uh, you're probably under. It's probably a bit like Game of Thrones where you're living. It'll isn't be snowed it? in. <laughs> no, last last time last time it was snowed in. Uh, this time it's not too bad actually. There's a little bit. There's not there's not much. So it's not exactly golfing weather, but uh, there's not much on the ground. I think it's um, it's stayed down south this time. But last time it was horrendous. It was a nightmare. What? I hate snow. Well, I'm, I'm sure you bowl around with a short sleeve uh, shirt on, whatever the weather. Short, um, yeah. Very short, Harmy, yeah. Harmy, plenty to talk about this week. First off, though, uh, retirement of uh, of your old teammate, Kevin Peterson. Um, I tell you what, when me and you are on commentary duty together and it's uh, and wet weather's getting involved or we're just in a little break, it's always the stories I like hearing about the, the most, the ones about KP. Uh, and you always speak about him very fondly, if if uh, if I'm being fair. Um, but a great loss to the game, uh, and unfortunately, it will probably be a great loss for England because uh, uh, he's uh, stopping the cricket. And I'm not sure we're going to see too much of him in these parts moving forward. No, it's um, it is a shame. It was a shame the way things ended for him with with the England cricket team. But you know, there was a lot of. He said, "Yeah, he said, and I didn't really want to go into or get involved in the politics behind that. It's just a shame that one of the one of the best. Oh, for me, he's the best player that's ever played cricket for England, and that's a massive shout. But mm. in my life, in my lifetime, mm. I, I don't see anybody that he's a, he was a game changer when he came into this country and when he when he first put the three lions on, he was a game changer, um, especially during that 2005." Ashes, uh, so it, it's a massive loss. I would like to, I'd love to see them play maybe a, a T20 competition, a full T20 competition for Surrey. Um, but it's not meant to be. He's finished in Pakistan and uh, or in Dubai playing the PSL, and I imagine he will he will go back to South Africa and live a you know, a good, healthy life, trying to you know prevent the, the the wildlife that's being that he's documented on social media mm. over there because it'll be it is a massive loss but yeah i think what what i would like the, the the people in this country the cricket lovers in this country to celebrate what he did for the for the game rather than you know some of the some of the naughty stuff that have been banded about of what he was he was a fantastic player he was somebody who one of the reasons john one of the reasons why he was a fantastic player people ask me why was he so good and you know why do you speak yeah, well of him. Nobody, there was nobody fitter than Kevin. There was nobody stronger than Kevin. Mentally, nobody stronger than Kevin. When he practiced, he practiced with purpose. He practiced. He was so single-minded. He was so driven to practice exactly what he wanted, what he wanted to practice, to then go out on the field and deliver. And that's why he was so good. Goffey, you know, when we talked about KP earlier in the show, we talked about the way that he made such an immediate impact. Uh, reigning six, uh, sixes on his home turf, but playing for England against South Africa, winning uh, uh, the greatest Ashes series of them all. Has it surprised you that his exit from cricket has actually been so subdued? Mm, listen, certain people do it that way. I think that's the way I actually did it as well. I walked off, I made my own decision. I didn't tell anyone, I didn't make a big announcement. Or you do it the Atherton and Stewart way. They told everybody they're retiring at the end of the season and they got a fanfare all the way through uh, the series. Not for me, um, it wasn't for Kevin. People probably would expect him to want a big fanfare. But I think he was disappointed a little bit uh, by the way things finished 
in England. They knew it was going to be his last. Uh, unfortunately for him, he knew it was going to be his last uh, spell for Surrey last year, and it were injury ridden, wasn't it? Mm, and he didn't get yeah. the chance to say uh, goodbye to everyone. And I think he just. I think you know. You know when it's time. And uh, I think Kev just quietly said uh, boots off, didn't he? And uh, that, he was <laughs> that, he that was it. That was it. He'll just go on to his next career. But uh, yeah, it, people always think because you're a strong personality and uh, you, you get contracts with certain companies, but you, you're going to want the big fanfare. But it doesn't always work like that. Sometimes it's the quieter ones who like the big fanfare. Um, well, look, your two former teammates of KP. Uh, Goffey was his best man and uh, Harmy you shared some of his greatest uh, moments uh, as a cricketer certainly for England so uh, who better uh, but to uh, poach a quiz it's uh, been on our friends at Crick Info about Kevin Peterson so I won't pit you against each other you can uh, you can have a brains trust here but I've got 10 KP questions for you <laughs> and we'll see how many you get between you okay go well, for this it this could be interesting yeah <laughs> this could be okay yes or no is Kevin Peterson England's top run scorer in one day internationals? No. No. It's Paul Collingwood. Well, the answer is correct. I would say he Owen isn't. Morgan, top run scorer, isn't he? Or is it Tristan no. Morgan just gone past him? No, I would have said it's Collingwood. Ian, Ian, it's Bell. Ian Bell. Ian yeah. Bell. Yeah, he only played, okay. I think he only played a, a, about 130 games or something, somewhere around that, 130, <laughs> 140. Yeah. So I, he okay, didn't play so enough. But you got, the, uh, you got the right answer, even though you didn't get the right player. Okay, so one from one. Is Kevin Peterson only second to Alastair Cook when it comes to Test 100 scored for England? Yes. He is, yes, yeah. They were, they were level when Kevin um, packed in. That's yeah. how I know that. And then Cook has gone on, obviously, and played three more series or four more series. Correct. Correct, yeah. Amundo. Two from two. Kevin Peterson, 23 tonnes, and uh, Alistair Cook has 32. There are four others on 22, by the way, so uh, that, uh, that question will uh, change very shortly. OK, third question. Is Kevin Peterson England's leading six hitter in international cricket? Oh, I would say no. No. Well, you'd be right. It is no. Um, but uh, could you? I will give you the points. You're three from three. I was quite surprised to see who is top of this list. He's second to this person. 189 sixes for Peterson. Uh, but the one at the top of the list has got 220 of them. Well, you give it away now. It's obvious now. Go on. Yeah, I wouldn't have had a clue, but now you've said that and it's so far ahead. It has to be there's only one player who's been a part of England for one day cricket for so long and he's still playing. It's got to be him, hasn't it? It's got to be the captain. Morgan. Yep. It's got 200, to be. 200 ODIs and uh, 226s. If you wouldn't have said that, I wouldn't have got that. But uh, it's such doing? a big difference. I reckon, I'd reckon. i be interested to see. I reckon Triscoffic and Bell... Well, Bell wouldn't have as many, but no. I reckon Flintoff and all of them are all similar number. And then well, you've got Owen Morgan, who's 100 in front. Yeah, he has played <laughs> a lot more. He's played a hell of a um, lot more. Yes or no, Kevin Peterson was the last England player to win the ODI Player of the Year at the annual ICC Awards. Yes. Yeah. 2006. Yeah, go for that. Oh, 
Was 2005. It? 2005. You're absolutely right. Oh, Blimey, yeah. You're actually nailing this. Mm. Uh, Andrew Flintoff and KP yeah. are the only England players to ever win it. 2004 and then 2005. Mm. Okay, you should know this one. You've known, you're getting the harder ones. Uh, yes or no, KP was player of the tournament at the 2010 World T20. Yes, he yes, was he was. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. He was player of okay. the tournament by miles. Five from five. Uh, yes or no, KP has scored more runs than Alistair Cook in tests, featuring both players. So when they've both been in the team, KP has outscored Alistair Cook. Yes or no? No. No, for no, me. What are you, Army? No, I don't think he has either. It'd be close. It's got to, to be, be fair. To be fair, hold on. Every game, oh no, Kevin played it yeah, two, one year before, didn't he? Think about Alan, the Ashes. Think about yeah. the Ashes where he had that ridiculous series, Cookie, India, when he just got that, he nearly got a thousand runs, didn't he, in India or something? Yeah, I was just thinking more of the fact that how many runs they had when Kevin, Kevin finished. And I would have said, but Cookie played one, he, he played a year later than Kev. Cookie never missed a test match, so every game Kevin played when Cookie got in the team. Yeah, now Cookie got more runs when they both played together. Yeah. yeah. Kevin Peterson scored 7,461, and in the 95 tests they played together, what a shame they don't speak. Alistair Cook outscored him by 233 <sighs> runs. Mm. So well done, six. Well, their, six. their careers mirrored each other basically did, yeah. with runs and hundreds. So I knew it was close. It had to be close. Very close. But you're right. You're six from six, guys. Okay. Yes or no? This is question seven. Kevin Peterson has England's highest T20 international score. No, no, no. no. Oh no, he's been rinsed by that. There's loads past him now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely right. Uh, what is his high score, T20? What's the what is it? 60, 70, 80? International T20. Yeah, international T20. 80-something, I think. He hasn't got an international T20 hundred. I remember the 70-odd he got against Pakistan at the World Cup. Mm. Um, I, think he's got a, I think he got 80-odd, 86, 89, something mm. like that. Guys, you're absolutely flying here. Okay, seven from seven. Question number eight. Well, Goffey, you should definitely know this one. Kevin Peterson scored 100 on ODI debut. Yes or no? No. He did. No, oh, no he didn't. In, no, that was in Zimbabwe. That, wasn't in, that was in Zimbabwe, wasn't it? Yeah. 20 odd not so out. The, remember, it clears the bell. Yeah, because he, he got 100 and 27 from not out. Yeah, remember it. I remember okay. that tour. I remember the, the best knock he had there. He got 100, I think, in when we went to South Africa in one of them. He got 100 but, and he got he got 300, 200s or 300s. He got but, 100 in East London and he got 100 in Bloemfontein. And the one, the Bloemfontein one was the first test match in the old turn, the back on him. Because yep. we're on the balcony going, don't do it. Don't oh, do it, Kev. Don't oh, do it. The and one, he, East and London. He, he kissed the badge. East London was the best. East guy. London, <laughs> I was at the other end. I have yeah. never seen striking like in East London. Nobody could see the ball. No, it was dark. He and he was just smashing, green, grass uh, bank. he was smashing sixes left, right and centre. And nobody, no other batsman could see it. Oh, brilliant. Um, well, you're absolutely right, guys. You're two away from 100%. You're two away from immortality in the Kevin Peterson stakes. Um, question number nine. And, uh, by the way, Kevin Peterson's highest score in uh, T20 International, 79, and only one man has scored 100, and that's Alex Hales. Uh, question nine. 
Kevin Peterson played the most tests under the captaincy of Andrew Stress. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's 100%. Yes, it has to be that. Purely because of the question. <laughs> the question, yeah. <laughs> it has to be. Yeah, yeah, it must be. Yeah, it must be. He, did. <laughs> he played nearly half of his tests under Strauss. 46 yeah. of the 104. Okay, question 10 for a perfect score, guys. That would be fitting when you consider who we're talking about. Kevin Peterson's nine ODI hundreds is the most for an England player. Yes or no? Has anybody scored more centuries? They've got to have. He only played 130 odd games. There's, there's so yeah, many but guys. The, now. Yeah, but there's not many played. Daz, there's only there's only a handful played. Right, let's think about some of the players then. Morgan in the, in the all middle Bell, order players. Morgan Bell, Triscoffic. Think about Trez. Trez didn't play that much, man. Oh, he did. Trez must have played 150, 160. No, Trez never played after 2006. I bet he did. I bet, you, I, I bet he did. He played with me with Pakistan. Hey, hang on. Uh, the only person that could beat him was Bell. He's not Collingwood, that... Collingwood hasn't got 1000s. Morgan no. hasn't got 1000s, even though they've played 200 games. They haven't got, the, they haven't got them because the middle order. Well, I'm going now. I'm going. I think Kev's got the most. No. Well, one of you's got to give me an answer. Is it yes or is it no? Well, he's going yes. I'm going no. <laughs> go on, then. I'll go, with, okay. I'll go with Darren. Well, you're wise to because it's, Ian it's Bell. Marcus Triscothic. I told you, I played with Tres loads of times. <laughs> he scored so many early in his yeah. career. He scored about four in his first ten games. <laughs> but he hasn't played, uh, has he played 151 days, though? Um, I no idea. I don't know if he did actually. Let's I don't think he played. He didn't play as many as you think because obviously he stopped playing after 2006. Well, either way, and Ian Bell, I think, only scored about maybe four ODI mm. centuries for England. That's amazing. 120, yeah. 123 ODIs, Tresco, Tres, in 12 yeah. centuries. More An underrated batsman, that's for sure. Uh, 10 out of 10. He, well done, guys. Yeah, well done, guys. If we Sam the producer it, had a, a round of applause waiting for you, like any good <laughs> producer would, um, you would be getting it right now, but you don't. And so, uh, you know, we have to do it again next week, I suppose. Uh, Harmy, that's about all we've got time for. Thank you very much, mate. No problem. Um, well done, Harmy. Well, uh, well done, Daz. Well, uh, well done, Daz, indeed. And well done, Harmy, for listening to Daz. Otherwise, it would have been 9 out of 10, frustration all round. Uh, fascinating stuff there from the boys. Uh, two guys who shared a dressing room with the one and only Kevin Peterson. Hope you've enjoyed listening to it. Uh, plenty more to come on the show, though. You're listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. Online and on DAB Digital Radio. Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. Tell you what, Goffey, there has been some uh, brilliant cricket in the last week or so. We've had the South Africa-Australia series with South Africa going one-all after uh, Rabada got himself uh, in a little bit of trouble. And I want to get your views on that. Mm. Uh, Obviously, uh, England and uh, New Zealand playing out uh, a great uh, ODI series and test series to come. Uh, A tri-series, which normally I wouldn't really care about when it's India against Sri Lanka uh, because they play so often. But uh, there were some... Right goings on. Um, Shaki Bal Hassan actually looked like he wanted to take Bangladesh off the field in the last over of a game against Sri Lanka when a yeah, second um, bouncer wasn't called a no ball. But in and around all of that, 
the thing I've been going to, or the school cards I've been going to the first when I wake up in the morning, um, has been the qualification tournament taking place in Zimbabwe. Um, two places up for grabs at next year's World Cup, which is, of course, being played in England. Um, and much of the n- narrative around this at the start was about the West Indies. It was about Afghanistan. But I take a look at the table, and it's Scotland who are doing brilliantly, <laughs> and it's Zimbabwe who are also doing pretty damn well. Um, it's just It's been a fascinating tournament so far. He does, and I have actually watched a bit of it. And um, should I admit that? Um, no, of course I should. Um, <laughs> UAE, the coach there is Dougie Brown. Um, I've got a lot of time for Dougie. I think he's a fantastic coach. He worked a bit with my son in the past as well. Um, he's a coach at UAE. For him to get into the final six, I thought that was yeah. the um, was great for them to to be there. The best of the rest, if you consider Nepal. Papua New Guinea, Hong Kong, and the Netherlands didn't make the Super Six. Mm, so strong. just to let people know, in the Super Six, you've got Zimbabwe, Scotland, West Indies, Ireland, Afghanistan, and the UAE. Um, and I watched a game last uh, yesterday, uh, last night, and it was Ireland uh, against Scotland. And it was a massive, win, oh, massive game for Ireland. Ireland. had to win. Because they got beat by Zimbabwe, which was a big game. Um, um, and so they had to beat Scotland because Scotland had been flying and they did. Um, it was closer than I thought in the end because Ireland got 270 and Scotland were reeling five down for just over 100. Uh, but they got pretty close. Uh, they lost by 20 or 25. Um, uh, but, but Ireland, it was oh, a massive win for them. And I think their next game, um, Ireland, um, they've got one left, haven't they? Is it Afghanistan? Yeah. I think they've got Afghanistan. Yes, they're yeah. old and they don't play any team more than they play Afghanistan. I swear those two. But uh, Ireland have still got a sniff. Uh, they do need results to go their way and they need to beat Afghanistan. But, um, you know, it's uh, it's been fantastic. And the other thing that I couldn't help but noticing is that the crowds in Zimbabwe mm-hmm. have been exceptional. Excellent. yeah. Absolutely brilliant. So, um, so that's been good. It's been superb. Uh, keeping an eye on that. Um, somewhat uh, more unsavoury. We we talked about this last week and actually the week before. Uh, Kagiso Rabada, brilliant young bowler for South Africa, banned for the last two Test matches of uh, of the series. And this is after he took a tenfer against yeah. Australia in that second uh, Test match. Look, as uh, as someone as a former fast bowler yourself. I suppose you you played the game with a smile on your face. Well, that's how it looked from uh, from afar. Sometimes but... I lost it a couple of times, but very very rarely. I I I look to be more down the comedy route rather than abuse someone. I I never really got that. I think I probably did it a couple of times, uh, but um, I, I'm not. In, I'm just not into it. I just think, what is the point? What do you get? <laughs> I mean, now. If it was going to be a proper fight, yeah, you get it. But these guys, it's all for show. Look how brave and big and strong I am. You're not really. You're not really because nothing can happen. You know what I mean? It's uh, You've got whites on and you're playing cricket. It's pathetic. But some players are, are, are like that. Some players like to feel as though they have to fire themselves up. Ben Stokes... Rabada, mm. we've got two Jimmy. of them. We have got Jimmy Anderson Jimmy. as well. So we've got Broad, two. Stuart Broad as well. Glenn McGrath did it. Um, but then, what, you, would, what you know advice what I mean? would you give? I mean, you don't know the guy, but if um, if you're in a position to give Kagisa Rabada some advice, what would it be? I'd just tell him to keep doing what he's doing. He's ranked number one in the world. 
He's doing nothing wrong. I, I thought it was a bit... It was, it was all, like I say, it's all bravado. He's seen Australia do it. You know you're playing against Australia. You're trying to say, listen, we're not going to be bullied by the Aussies. And that's what they try and do is bully Australia. That's, that's just the way they are. They always have been. And and basically, the South Africans, it looks to me as though they've said, right, we're not going to stand any stuff here in our backyard from Australia. Let's go back at them. And you've just got a young player who's just went over the top a little bit. I, I, I still think it would harsh to ban him. I really, really do. If you look at some of the celebrations from Australia uh, when they got De Villiers out, um, I think mm. that was over the top. They got away with it. So Does I thought it, it was harsh to ban more- bit more clever because he has been involved in these yeah. kind of incidents before and you know you say it's because he's playing Australia but he got involved in a, a, a pushing match with Dick Weller I think it was Dick Weller from Sri Lanka in an ODI series that, that South Africa won 5-0 um, he, got, he missed a test match last summer uh, because he told Ben Stokes to do one after getting uh, dismissing him so you know it's it, it does appear that he's got to wind it in a little bit but well, you are. You're going to get te- you're going to get teams who are, are going to target him purely because they know he'll react. Same as with Ben Stokes, <laughs> people know he's going to react. The the Marlon Samuels and Ben Stokes one is is legendary, <laughs> isn't it? But I prefer the flint off uh, mode of sledging like he did to Tino. Mind them windows. Yeah. That, that, that that's what it should be about. Clever, clever remarks rather than tensing the shoulders and thinking you're hard as nails. Yeah, it just doesn't work for me. It's cricket. You're playing in white. Just get on with it. Uh, somebody did just get on with it. Uh, A.B. de Villiers, a masterful innings, or masterful two innings, actually. I'm not sure if you saw much of it, but, you know, that he got a lot of criticism in 2017 because he took a break. He stopped playing cricket for South Africa. And now this is a guy who's play, been playing cricket non-stop since what? Well, he... Yeah, to earn money. Yeah, but he could have stopped. He could not have gone to the IPL. Couldn't, he couldn't he have gone have to the IPL. I, I was one of the ones criticising him for not coming to England. I think as doesn't a South that Africa, doesn't justify it though? Yeah, no, doesn't it doesn't. That... No, it doesn't. One of the biggest tours as a cricketer is to play probably a South African. Is I would say is to play against Australia and it's to play against England. Now, why would he not want to tour England and play? He's knackered. England? I'm sorry, mate. I'm not having that. He just wanted he wanted time off because he played in the IPL. And and so on and so on. That's what that was. You can't defend uh, him on that. I'm not having it. Well, I don't know the guy personally, but um, I think great uh, player. The fact that he, <laughs> well, he certainly is a great player. Um, it's just a shame, I suppose. Two tests to go. Uh, Del Stain rumoured to come back for the third test, but now that's been pushed back to the fourth, and you still have a question mark over whether we'll ever really see a, a fully fit and firing Dale Stain. Well, but, the good uh, thing in on that, though, we might get Morny Morbacle back in because I thought he was harshly treated, actually, not to play in the second test because he was arguably the England's best, uh, South Africa's best bowler in the first test. Dropped mm. in the second because he's obviously made himself, he's retiring at the end of the series. He's only about four or five away from f- 300 test wickets. Um, so I thought that were Ash. So now we revived a band. He might come back in. So, we shall uh, see. Yeah, we'll see. We shall see. Uh, plenty more to come on uh, Cricket Week. You're listening to uh, Darren Goss Cricket Week. Uh, Goffey and myself discussing all the biggest cricket stories every week. You can listen on t- to TalkSport 2 and on DAB online and via the TalkSport app. And 
We're also available online as a podcast on iTunes, so please subscribe and uh, and maybe even give us a review. Uh, still to come on the show, I'm really looking forward to this, Chris Adams, uh, former England uh, batsman, Sussex coach, uh, very experienced uh, cricketer, great talker as well, looking back to one of the most infamous test matches in the history of Test Cricket. That's this week's Test of Time uh, with Darren Goff and it's Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. Test of Time with Darren Goff on TalkSport 2. Well, you're listening to TalkSport 2 and it's that time. It's my favourite feature on the show. It's the Test of Time. And this week's special guest... We've got Chris Adams, ex-Derbyshire, Sussex player, coach and all-round top lad. And we're going to look back at the 1999-2000 series England versus South Africa in South Africa. And most of important test of the, uh, that series was the last one, of course. It was the controversial Centurion test where Anzi Kranje made a few quid and got a leather jacket. Uh, anyway, are you there, Chris? I'm here, Goffy. How are you, mate? You are right? Yeah, we're good, mate. Um, well, where do we start on this? What a series. Uh, you got selected for the tour. Must have been a proud moment for you. You come from a cricketing family. I'm a football as well, by the way. Cricketing family <laughs> must have been a proud, uh, proud moment. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. Yeah, it was a big moment for me. It's something I'd, I'd sort of strived for all my career. 
Uh, I knew that, that England was the ultimate, and Test cricket for England was the ultimate. Uh, and I worked hard to, to get there. I think, if I'm totally honest, um, I wasn't expecting to get picked for that test, test series. You know, I expected the one-day series, but it was Duncan Fletcher's uh, new regime with Nasser Hussain. Um, he'd obviously seen something in me on the county circuit, and I, and I got the call-up. And uh, very, very special moment indeed when you get that call, as you know, Goffey. Mm. Um, it, it, uh, it comes to a precious few people in their lifetime and uh, you know I'm a proud Englishman and I was proud to to represent my country. I think when it comes down to Duncan Fletcher and uh, you were exactly his sort of player um, he tended to go the players that got a <clears throat> bit of growl about them and uh, <laughs> you probably fit that would you say? Yeah I think I was I was I think he was looking for a player uh, he sat me down when when uh, I got selected for that tour and he said he was looking for a character to bat in the sort of middle order bat at six um, somebody who would come in and counter-attack, um, given the situation, and somebody who was experienced enough within their own game to be able to sort of bat and marshal with the tail. Now, of course, uh, he'd seen me play county cricket, and, and, and in that environment, absolutely something which uh, I'd be more than capable of. But I, I think even he, uh, and definitely I underestimate that, actually when you step up for the very first time into the Test Match Arena, it's a completely different game and it's a completely different level. And if you think of that, that South African attack, Goffey, I mean, we had a decent attack with yourself spearheading it, but they had Donald, Pollock, uh, Callis, Klusner, um, to name but a few. Nanty Haywood. Yeah, you know, all, all super quick bowlers, um, all under the, the, the coaching-led um, experience of, of Bob Warmer. You know, he knew a lot about us and his plans um, for that series was superb, I thought. What I can't remember about that is, but I'm not so sure, In it, was this the time where we hardly had any warm-up games? Did we have any warm-up games, actually, before this? No, no actually, the opposite. We had loads. I think we were there We were there for, for way, way too long. Oh, yeah, that's uh, okay. You remember, we didn't have a day off in the entire tour. It was just day after day after day after day, and we'd, we'd had uh, fa- fantastic weather. Um, we've been in some really hot parts. We've played uh, up in Bluntfontein. We've been around. We've, we've, we've done four-day games against combined sides. And then it, we, even the training, the two days into that first test at Wanderers, was that the weather was just roasting hot, clear blue skies. And then, as ever with cricket and, it, and its uh, brushes with the weather, we woke up on the morning of that test. You'll remember this. It was like Armageddon out there, you know, really dark <laughs> skies, humid um, perfect conditions for swing. We knew the wicket at the Wanderers was going to be um, was going to be a bit tasty as well. And I tell you one thing I do remember about that that tour, Goffrey. It's the first time I've ever seen analysis put in place. I remember Fletch sitting us down in the team room the day before, two days before, and he put a VHS video in of, of Alan Donald. That's enough to scare you. <laughs> I know, yeah, but his whole point was that he said, look at this, you know, Donald's lost it. He's falling out of his action um, and, and chucking it down the leg side sort of thing. And and I don't know if you remember, it was the third ball of that test match. We'd lost the toss, haven't we? And we were asked to bat and uh, Athers was our lead batsman in form. And third ball of the test match, he, he fell out of his action, Donald, and bowled this 95-mile-an-hour sort of in-swinger out of his action, which, which removed that as his middle stump. Uh, and that was it. It sent shockwaves through the team. You know, I wasn't expecting it, you know, to have such a, a, a massive effect in turning the dressing room, but it, it surely did that day. 
Well, you're right, and that Joburg in the first test, they're really, really strong in Joburg as well, uh, South Africa. Now, what I was looking back at this, uh, Grace, I couldn't believe we three debutants in the first test yeah. against a very good side. Let, you, you mentioned some of the players there, but they were experienced. They were a very, very good side, well led, and we had Michael Vaughan, yourself. And Gavin Hamilton, all making their debuts against a very strong South Africa side. And like you said, we were batting. It was overcast. They got pace galore. And um, you had to go in, didn't you, in a nightmare situation. What was it, four for two or something? We were, we were two runs for four wickets. And, and you, I don't know whether you remember this, but I, 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 I tell this story about my, my debut that day um, when you know every batsman, everybody who's played the game of cricket has had this reoccurring nightmare about being a batsman and the wicket goes and you're the next in and you haven't got your pads on and that actually happened to me on my my test debut god's honest truth and and i, and I remember you laughing uh, as i was trying to pad up in a rush because the wicket the wicket had gone down i think it was um mark butcher got out uh alex stewart was next in i was changing next to him so i didn't want to disturb his space by getting in there and getting my pads on so i let him leave the the dressing room then started my sort of process of getting my pads and gear on and what have you. And of course, he was out, he was out first ball, absolute exocet from Donald, hit him on the toe, LBW. And I didn't have any pads on at the time. And I remember putting my right pad on as you were giggling away, putting my left pad on and sort of sending me out there and uh, down, the, down the long walk down the tunnel there at, at Wanderers. Hilarious moment, but in reality, um, completely the wrong preparation for your, your first test innings. You know something, it's happened to me plenty of times. I always left it till lastminute.com me before I went to put my pads on. So I was always rushing out. Well, that's probably why I never got any runs. Anyway, Chris, your first innings, uh, you got you got 16. We were all out for 122, so it was a good baptism. Um, and like I said, Donald, you mentioned the bowlers. Donald got 6 for 53 and Pollock 4 for 16. So between them, the opening bowlers just skittled us, mate. Mm, they did, yeah. I mean, the, it was phenomenal conditions for bowling. Donald was bowling very, very quick. Um, I agree. I remember, get, I remember getting hit a few times by him and and, and thinking, i just got to hang in there, hang in there. Um, we also had young Andrew Flintoff playing as well, if you remember. So that, if you think about our side against theirs, we were we were way, way, way behind them in terms of experience. Um, you know, we, we had one or two class players in the side, yourself, Atherton, Hussein. Uh, Alex Stewart, but in and around those quality players, we were very a, a little bit green, a little bit naive, and, and they just blew us away in that first innings. And, and no more so, if you remember poor Gav, he had, a, he had an absolute treacherous test match uh, on debut. Um, well, that was his only test. His only test. He bagged, know, a, bagged, a pair bagged a pair and didn't get a, a wicket. Non for, <laughs> non for 100, I shouldn't laugh. Non for 150. No, you, you, I mean, it's just, it, it's just, it was just a nightmare of a test match all round. And, uh, you know, but I think you know if you if you follow the test series from there on in, we we kind of hung in there a little bit against that team. You know, and I think it was for anybody going over there thinking that that this England team would would turn South Africa over in in their at their own test test match venues was was completely wrong. You know, we were we were comfortably the second best side, but um, you know I think we hung in there right up until that. That fated last test, didn't we? Yeah, we'll go into the last test in a minute. But just to go through the uh, the series, then. So in Joburg, we we got yep. we got battered. We, I mean, that's quite um, we can we can accept that. Donald eleven wickets in a match for a ball that apparently lost his action. Um, 
Well, good memories for me that first test actually, because I, I I had a shocker in um, Joburg in two thousand in nineteen ninety five. My my first tour there, I coming back from injury, and and I was similar to Gav. I just couldn't I couldn't hit the cut strip. Uh, so for me to go back to Joburg, it was a mental hurdle for me. I remember getting five wickets in um, in in their their innings, and it, it kind of got me back on track because I was really nervous going into that test match. But we lo- we lost the game. We went on to Port Elizabeth. Um, if you remember that one, uh, Grizz. Um, it was when Klusner, we all got Zulu, didn't we? Lance Klusner. Can you remember yeah. that? Oh, my yeah. word. Unbelievable yeah, I striking. I don't, I don't think, even to this day, um, and I'll say, I'll say that the, the two left-handers that I played against in my career who hit the ball harder than anybody else, and not just by a little bit, by, but by a great lot. One, one was Brian Lara and the other one was Lance Klusner. Oh, right. I've never seen a ball hit so hard in, in, in all my career. And... Uh, yeah, his bat. It, it, it felt it was a size, um, same size as your back door, coffee. Which you know, I was bowling a team, mate. I know it was like that. And then I remember coming in though in Port Elizabeth. Do you remember um, the coach Fletch actually saying to us, "Just ball leg stump to him. Is it in every?" I said, "You ball leg stump to him. He gives himself more room, and he still slices yeah. it through the offside." That's it. That's it. Absolutely. Do you know what made me chuckle? I think you back to that test match. Was if if I'm right in, in my memory, um, Chris Silver would have been flown in, hadn't he? Because we'd had a few injuries in the bowling department. I think Dean Headley had gone home, and um, Alan Mullally might have picked up an injury. And uh, Chris Silverwood came in, and he bowled a, he bowled a ball, uh, which I think went over on the big scoreboard. You got the speed of the delivery; it was about 150 kilometres, um, which is getting getting on for late 80s, 90 mile an hour, isn't it? Yeah. And I, I remember you for the next for, the, for your next two spells running in, and your sole goal was to try and beat that speed. Because <laughs> every time you delivered the ball, you'd look up quickly at the, uh, at the scoreboard to see what's, what the pace was, and uh, just to see whether you could get one back over on your mate from Yorkshire. I know, I, I must admit, uh, I, I was one to have a competitive nature. I had to be the quickest bowler. Unfortunately, I won um, with one of our previous guests, Devon Malcolm. Um, I just couldn't compete with him in the test at the Oval. <laughs> But I thought, yeah. Silvers, I'm quicker than him. And I was trying my hardest. And every time I bowled, the quicker I bowled it, the further it got hit by yeah. uh, uh, Klusner. So anyway, that was the uh, second test. Uh, but we come out with a draw with that. Like you said, we were a fighting team. Yeah. We came out with a draw. We went to Durban. And all I remember about Durban is um, following on. And uh, we had an absolute howler, didn't we? Uh, we were just in the field for days uh. and days. Two and a half days, yeah. I think, we were in the field, weren't we? Yeah, well, I, I mean, we've got to mention NASA's, uh, NASA got a big score, didn't he? Bad for... 146, for, yeah. Yeah, bad for over 10 hours, I think. And, and what, what, people, what people won't, won't um, appreciate is the humidity in Durban is, mm. was ridiculous. We were, we were doing our warm-ups in the pool at the hotel. If you remember, we, we were yeah. getting up. Rather than going to the ground, we were going down to the hotel, doing sort of laps around the hotel pool, and then pretty much going to the ground 45 minutes before the start. And then just getting out there and, and going straight into the into the games. And, Spot on, good memory. Man. Yeah, yeah. And and I and I, I, I mean, NASA's in, you know innings. I, I, I remember getting 20, twenty, I think twenty or yep. maybe not even that in that Test match. And that was the one to me that hurt me the most because I, I I'd done all the hard work. I got myself in, and and like every batsman will tell you, you need a bit of luck. And I'd been dropped on, I don't know, 10, 12 at square leg, little dolly um, off Donald, give me a nice half oh, folly in my leg. And I clipped it to square leg and they dropped it. And I thought, in, internally, I was thinking, this is it. You know, that's the, the, the break I've been looking for. Um, and I was on 20, 21, something like that. 
and on came um, Paul Adams. Remember him? Yeah, oh, um, action. Hock oh, my, hock hock. my word. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, he bowled me a bowled me a full toss, sort of shin height. Um, and I, you know, I tried to hit it out of Durban and missed it and got bowled. <laughs> that was it. I was, I've never been so gutted in all my life about getting out in in, in any innings because that was the that was the one opportunity I felt I was in. I was on a good wicket. I got Nasser saying the other end, well set. We'd we'd start to build a partnership, and uh, yeah, it w- wasn't to be. And of course, we put a big score on Andy Caddick, your your. Old mucker. Yeah, um, seven four. He got, got seven four. Got wickets, didn't he? Seven. Rowled, rowled through them, and and in, in in the wisdom of the powers that be, they thought we'd stick them back in on on an absolute flatty, didn't they? And, well, it wouldn't happen uh, now, would it? That and then and no, like I say, we, no. we, we we they followed on and. Uh, Gary Kirsten, oh my word! Yeah. I just thought he—he he hardly played a shot, did he? He just not—he no. wasn't going to get out. He just battled yeah. through and got two hundred and seventy odd. Yeah, just nudge, kept nudging it down the third man, didn't he? And, mm. and, and running down the other end, it was phenomenal batting. Um, I'll tell you something else happened that, that for me that, that that match. I got my my one and only Test wicket, Goffey. Um, do you remember who it was? Cronia. Nope. Boucher? No, it was Mark Boucher, yeah. Yay! Ran down the wicket to me. Yeah. Ran down the wicket to me and had a filthy slog and it hit straight up in the air and Alex Stewart caught it. Yeah, managed to pick up a wicket. Happy days. <laughs> <laughs> you nearly got as many as me in that game. Um, <laughs> anyway, we went on to... So we're still in the series. We went on to Cape Town, the fourth test. Everybody loves going to Cape Town. What a fantastic ground, one of my favourites. Uh, but we got battered in that one, if we're going to be honest. Uh, just let's not stay too long on this one. Uh, Donald, we got Donald again in the first innings. Um, he picked up five for 40. Um, and um, and we collapsed in the second innings, 126 all out. So uh, you actually got 31 that game. Do you remember much about it? Well, I remember, yeah, I do. I remember feeling massively under pressure going into that test match. I wasn't sure what I was going to play. Uh, I think there was a, it was a call for... For Darren Maddy to play, um, Vaughney, I think, had come back from from injury. Or Vaughney might not have been played. Darren Maddy played. I can't remember, but there was. I, I wasn't sure if I was going to play, and I remember being feeling under a lot of pressure to score runs. And I remember first innings. Um, it, it was getting to the end of the day, and, and both Alec Stewart and uh, Atherton had got caught out on the hook. You know, I mean, well set in their eighties and what have you. And I remember the wicket went, and I, about 25 minutes to to go, and I I put my gloves on, and, and I'm got within about three yards of the uh, the pitch when Nasser shouted down and told me to stop. And the next minute, I see Andy Caddick running down the steps as a night watchman. So I start to go up the steps, and he's chuntering away, chuntering away. And I thought to myself, do you know what? I'm not going to go all the way up these steps because I know what's going to happen. So I sat halfway. On one of the steps, and lo and behold, first ball he was out, <laughs> and I went and I was across the field. I was giggling away as I was across because he was looking at me. Yeah, caddy, he was chuntering away, chuntering away. So I had to go out there. I had about twenty minutes to go. Um, managed to sort of get through a, a hostile spell, a spell from uh, Callis and, and Donald, and it was a big day. Saturday was the next day, and I remember getting to the ground. It was a different feel to the ground. It was full. It was everybody. It was completely packed out and they put these sort of clackers on the seats and if you remember that I remember Donald coming in first ball of the morning and I couldn't I couldn't hear myself think because of the noise of these clackers um but what had happened to me is there was immortal words from my Athens remember it, just as I was about to go out and bat 
he patted me on the side and he said, this will be your day, Chris, this will be your day. And I thought, oh, blimey, here we go. Anyway, I managed 10 in the first innings and I thought, well, that's it. You know, my my test career is, you know, I've had my first sort of instalment of it. It hasn't happened for me. Um, so when it came to the second innings, Goffey, you know, I, tr- I freed myself up a little bit. I only got 30-odd, but it was mm. we were going down, weren't we? And it was a lost call. And we'd all sort of um, accepted that, you know, well, I think by the time I got out, there were only two two wickets left, you know. So it was, I just tried to free myself up a little bit and play some of the cricket shots that had got me into the the team in the first place. So I did I did get few away, but um, again I got out in a I think to Paul Adams again. It was a filthy delivery, and uh, I made a right haulix of it. Mm. So, uh, but yeah, you know, and that was that was the series gone, wasn't it? Two nil. Okay, um, so Grizz, just hold that uh, thought. Two uh, nil down. We've lost the series. And you're listening to TalkSport 2. We're going to have a short break and then we'll be back for the rest of Test of Time, the main event, that last test of 1999-2000 from Centurion. Test of Time! With Darren Goff on TalkSport 2. Welcome back to TalkSport 2 and you're listening to Test of Time and with me, my guest, is Chris Adams and we're looking back on the 1999-2000 series England's Tour of South Africa and we've got now to the final test. Centurion, we've lost the series, we're 2-0 down but, hey, hey, it's a five-test series and we're here to party. And here we are. Um, Grizz? Grizz, we've lost the series, mate, 2-0. We're at Centurion. I remember going there thinking, oh, dear me, we've lost the series, but we can't go down 3-0. And I think players by time, when you've lost a series, they call it a dead rubber. But I don't see it as a dead rubber. I always see it as a moment in time where it's time where you've got to, you've got to uh, make your tier, uh, finish the tour uh, successfully. You've got to try and get whether your batting average up or your bowling average down, if you know what I mean. I do know what you mean. Yeah, look, it, it, it was a test match cricket. I mean, start, as we mentioned at the start, it's it's the ultimate, isn't it, for any aspiring mm. uh, cricketer out there to represent your country in a test match is the ultimate. And so, you know, the series was gone, and there was a, there was a bit of there was a noticeable, more sombre mood about the camp that week for various reasons. I think the, the weather being one was was particularly awful. Um, we'd been to Centura and it was supposed to be, there was supposed to be the best practice facilities there and we couldn't get in them because of the weather, etc. And, yep. and of course, you know, we, we were 2-0 down. Fletch, Fletch at his best wasn't the most outward um, in, in terms of his communication anyway. And he was quite a, an internal thinker of the game, would give you very little to go forward with you know from a from a group perspective so you kind of we were left with um mostly the outward direction of Nasser Hussain now again another passionate guy you know him really well um hugely passionate about the game of cricket hugely passionate about his own game and hugely passionate about English cricket so I remember him even him feeling in his in his delivery of his um team talks into that test match that it wasn't the same it wasn't the same punch and power and passion. You know, we'd all taken a bit of a battering in that, that test series. But it, the one thing that never left was this notion that if we, if we left with a 2-1, all right, a defeat, but 2-1 against a very, very strong South African side, then that was at least something that we could take away from this tour, that new team, that new era from 
with Duncan Fletcher and Nasser Hussain going away from South Africa with a 2-1 defeat wasn't, wasn't you know, the end of the world, if you like. Mm. So there was very, very much, you know, to play for. But, you know, the, the build-up was poor, the weather was poor, the, the wicket had got absolutely... Um, saturated by memory and uh, you know but even by, by, by county standards this was a change you know by county cricket standards I remember rocking up to that test match thinking well we'll just get on with it and play you know but this is test cricket and, and it, it, everything's slightly different isn't it and uh, and we sat around didn't we contemplating what was what you know when would we play when would we get out there I didn't know they'd not named the side so I wasn't certain to know if I was going to be playing in the um, in the test or not um, and, uh, you know, so but still all to play for. Mm. What, what, what I didn't like about Centurion, I think it's a fantastic ground, by the way. But what I didn't like about it, but we actually stayed in Joburg, which is one of my favourite hotels, by the way, the Santon Sun. Yeah. But it was like an hour journey every morning and every night. So it was like sat in traffic, wasn't it, in the busiest, busiest time of the morning to get to the ground. I didn't enjoy that at all. I don't know how you felt uh, as, as, as a cricketer. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, too long. Too long to think, really. Um, in, in that instance, in the morning, you want you, everybody has, uh, you know, the best players in the in, in the world have absolutely rock solid routines every day. Every day, they te- you know they test cricket, they get out there, they do the routines. What makes them great players? So to stick an hour journey into, into work, into the mm. into a test match every day, um, and 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 then throw into that the uncertainty. Because uh, I'm not overplaying it, am I, Goffey? That we, we we literally arrived every day and weren't we just weren't sure whether. Well, we weren't sure um, we were going to play. We had helicopter play. on the pitch and and yeah. everything with the weather. But when it comes down to it, Grace, on that on that first day, we actually won the toss. We stuck them in, which yeah. were, was a relief yeah. uh, to bowl yeah. first on it. Um, and when you when you think uh, the position we had them in after day one with the rain coming in, 155 for six, we thought, hang on a minute, we want the rain to go away now. And sometimes you're praying for rain, but we we actually had them in an unbelievable position, six down, 155, and you fancy yourselves to win the game from there, don't you? Really. Yeah, we did, and we got we got their key batsmen out as well. I think I remember. I, I don't know why I'd, I'd spent most of my career at slip, um, but you, you go and play for England, and then there are other people that, that that stand at slip. So I sort of found myself doing a variety of roles out there: short leg and cover and mid on and th- you know. So was, and then, but in that Test match, for some reason, I, I got shunted into slip. And I remember, I remember. You, did you get Kirsten out? Did I you get did, him with a lifted. Yeah. You got him with a lifted, didn't you? And I caught it. It was like, and I remember. Centurion has has a characteristic of pace and bounce, and I remember remember us being so far back that I actually had too long. So I saw this ball coming to me. You, you bowled him a beauty. It was a lifter, and he sort of nicked it, and it was coming to me. I think at second slip, and I remember the ball, and I moved two or three times because it was swinging in the air towards me. And I eventually managed to pouch it, and I remember thinking at the time, in the relief of catching it. Um, was probably as great as getting 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 off the mark. You know, it was like it was enormous, particularly because it was you. And I th- the thought of dropping a catch off you, matey, I tell you what, <laughs> I, I didn't dare get that sort of a double teapot teapot off you. But well, yeah, we're, you know, in a, we're in a strong position. We were, and then and then the rains came. I'm glad you didn't drop it because, like I said, that was a difficult tour, that. When people ask me about most difficult tours I've been on, and they say yeah. Australia, um, that must have been hard. India, Pakistan, I said, no, the hardest is South Africa because we, yeah. we played on some absolute belters. 
I think the first yeah. test at Joburg, obviously that first day, did a bit, and then Centurion with the weather around did a bit. So I were hoping to cash in again at Centurion to finish the tour because some of the pitches we played, Cape Town, Durban, and Port Elizabeth, were flat. Yeah, they were. Yeah, and that's not an overstatement. I think that's a very fair thing to say. The bowlers, how, and this is it. I don't know how. If you go back to that last, te- the other test at Durban, I don't know how Caddick got seven for that day because it was an absolute flatty. Um, and you guys had really, you, you and he, had led the attack, hadn't you? Solely. I don't think you know the other guys were coming in and and trying their best. And I think Tuffers Tufnell played a couple of test matches, but. Um, he'll be the first to say he didn't really fancy it, particularly Lance Klusner, who sort of took a, took kindly to him at, <laughs> he at, at Port Elizabeth. Um, so he was doing his best to talk himself out of getting selected, and uh, rather than getting himself in, so Silver's was, cashed was, in. Silver's cashed in at Cape Town. He got a five for in Cape yeah. Town, which I was pleased for him because he'd he'd worked hard um, yeah. in two of the tests uh, with not much luck. Malali came That's in right. um, as well, I think, for Centurion, where he um, we, we played an extra seamer, didn't we? Uh, we yeah. had four seamers, and Michael Vaughan was the, uh, the 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 spinner there. But anyway, we, we, we left overnight, didn't we, on that first day. We had him 150-odd uh, for six. Our journey back, and it was absolutely diking it down, wasn't it? That's all I can remember. And it went that way for the next three days, if I've got yeah. memory of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, by, by my re- recollection, it, it would rain ridiculously heavy over the day. And we get to the ground in the morning, uh, and okay, well, it might not have been raining, but there might have been showers for certainly the second day and the third day. But but uh, there were points where it wasn't raining, and, and that's one of my points about county cricket: just get out there and get on with it. But this is Test cricket, and, and the, the the bowlers' uh, uh, takeoff points were wet, weren't they? And uh, that that became a major concern. And the longer it went on, the less you know, the less chance and obvious chance of. Uh, getting a positive re- result was there, um, so everybody's energy, if you like, for the game seemed to sort of just recede through those days. And you know, there's a lot of there's only so many indoor nets you can have. There's only so many. Do you remember that? Do you remember? Do you remember being uh, Dean Conway coming in saying Fletch wants us to go and do a, a gym session? Yeah. You, met, you remember yeah. your famous your famous Rhino Rhino statement. <laughs> which you pulled out a few times, but, you know. Strong as an ox. Do I look like I need to go to the gym? <laughs> you know what they, you know what they call me? Right, because I'm strong as an ox. It's a great, great story. You know, that happened there at Centurion. I remember it. I was in the dressing room. You had, a, you had one of those England vests on. <laughs> yeah. You jumped up, jumped up, pumped, pumped your guns, and uh, and that was it. You know, <laughs> end of the session. <laughs> I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what, Grizz, you're that good at talking. We're going to have to have a, another break, and then we'll come back and finish off, because okay. I've got to talk about the fourth uh, evening, because we had, we had a bit of laugh, a bit of fun, didn't we, in Joburg? So uh, we'll be back shortly. Test of Time! With Darren Goff on TalkSport 2. Welcome back to the final bit of uh, Test of Time with Chris Adams. He's that good a talker. We've had to go into a, a third session. We've gone to... It's after tea now, um, and we've gone into the third session. We had him 155 uh, for six. Uh, we had three days of rain. I remember leaving on the Monday night, and it was a journey back to the bus and said, we've no chance of playing on the last day. It's not going to happen. So what are we going to do tonight? And this was from the coach, by the way, Duncan Fletcher. Let's go out. And have a few. 
because there's no way we're going to play in the next week at Centurion. Can you remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. I do also remember, I mean, I, I was 28 in that series. And I also remember thinking, hang on a minute, I've, I've, heard, this, I've heard this line before a um, hundred times, you know, press, press G for Gamble. And, and here I am in my, in, in, in my debut test series. And, and it's, we're getting, we're leading, Duncan Fletcher's leading the charge here. Yeah, it was, um, well, I don't know, I don't, I don't, I don't remember myself um, letting myself go that night. You know, I know a few of the boys did. Me. Uh, a few of <laughs> you more experienced lads, you know, who felt a bit more comfortable. You know, but I was still thinking, you know, I, you know, I still was hoping that beyond South Africa, there might be a, a test career or an England career for me, the one day is to come. So I remember thinking, just, you know, whoa, hang on, you know, just just keep 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 a check of everything. But you're right, the one or two boys took um took the coach um took the coach on with his direction and went for it. Well, we all had a team meal. We were in the Butcher's Grill. I remember yeah, it clear yeah. as, and uh, we are in the Butcher's Grill, and like I say, everybody had a, 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 a bottle of wine uh, to share amongst each <laughs> yeah. other as, as friends, and we had a wonderful yeah. meal. We went back to the hotel. Like you said, some people went to bed and behaved. Unfortunately, uh, it wasn't in my character, and I thought, there's no way I'm going to bowl another ball. I'm going with it. It was absolutely raining in Joburg. <laughs> I remember Joburg outside the hotel. It was absolutely... I've never seen rain like it, and I thought, there's no way we're playing a, uh, a game and I went into the bar and unfortunately I got chatting to Butch and uh, and Tuffers uh, who liked to drink and then in walked Lee Westwood who was playing in the South African Open at golf and That's another right. golfer yeah. I can't remember Woozy came in with Woozy yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and I had I, was there. Yeah, yeah I started having a drink with him and unfortunately uh, the next thing I remember <laughs> Duncan Fletcher came down about 6.20 in the morning and I was still sat there and he actually said to me, um, I know it's raining in Joburg, and he laughed, actually. He says, but it stopped raining at Centurion, which is an hour away, so you better go up and get a shower. I've never run up right. the stairs as quick as right. I did that morning. Do you know what, Guffey? I didn't, I didn't know that. I, didn't, I, I, knew, I knew that you and one or two, I knew that the golfers were there, I knew a few of the, uh, um, few of the journos were around as well, whatever they Well, nobody thought we were going to bowl. Nobody thought the game no, was over. No, no. It got got to that end of tour feeling, and particularly the test. I know the one days were to come, but but a lot of the boys were going home uh, in, a, in a couple of days' time. So I remember, I remember it feeling a little bit like that. I don't remember. I, I don't. You, you did well, mate, because I don't. That's the first time I've heard that you were um, you were still up at six twenty in the morning. So fair play, fair play. Do you know? Do you know what happened that day? Well, oh, by the way. well, I do. So let's get Whoa. to the ground. So we got to the ground, didn't we? We got to the ground, and the helicopter was there, wasn't it, on the pitch? That's the first <laughs> sight I had. I was thinking, oh my word, the helicopter was there drying the wicket. I thought, hang on a minute, what's what's the what's what, why are they so keen here? That's what I didn't understand. The series was over. We'd losing two nil. We'd had three days yeah. rained off. They were hundred and fifty five or six, and they got an helicopter. So that sent the warning signs out straight away to me. No, hundred percent. It was just unusual, isn't it? I think for two, for at least the, the previous two days as well, we'd arrived at the ground and there was not a soul on the ground. Just the covers and, and they had a marquee, didn't they? In, at yep. the end, over the wicket and trying to blow hot air, in, but nobody out there. And then the last day, we were something funny happened on, on, the, on the way. By the way, because Tuffers, who've been brilliant for the entire tour, missed the bus that morning by about ten seconds. Didn't I'm he? I'm not surprised because uh, he'd been with me. 
and and to his to his credit, he jumped he jumped in a taxi, got there ahead of us, got changed, and he was lapping the ground as we arrived and walked into the thing. Cause, but there was there was not just toughers out there; there was loads of other people out there. Um, all the South African officials were out there. Hansi Cronje was out there, and uh, and you're right, you know, we all went, oh yeah, what's going on here? You know, had a completely different feel to it. Mm. And, and then I think Nasser and Anzi, from what I can remember, I don't know what your memories of it, uh, were trying to have a chat, trying to set up a game, but it was going nowhere for a while, was it? I, he just thought, it's not going to happen. Um, and uh, they carried on uh, batting. And all I remember is Nasser said to me, well, he's going to punish me because I'd been out and had a drink. And I'd had two, I had, I'll tell you my exact figures because I knew. I, I still remember this to the day. I had two for 36 of 18 overs, where I can remember of. Uh, off, uh, no, off 12 overs or something. And he bowled me eight overs on the bounce and I got hit all round Centurion by Boucher um, and Klusner, as usual. Klusner tucked into me that series. He, he quite enjoyed facing me that series. And I ended up getting two for 92. Two for 92 I got. Cheers, Nash. Yeah, yeah. Cheers, for, cheers for that. Uh, yeah, mate. I, do you know what I remember? I remember the... the um... I remember him going off. Eventually, he went off, didn't he? And he, yeah. um, and he came running back out and said that we've we've been offered this equation. And, and as ever, you go to yourself, you go to Alex Stewart, go to Athers, and 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 the sort of the, you know the the experienced heads got together, and and uh, it was too too much of a bait, wasn't it, to take? So we um, we headed off the. We gave him a few freebies, if I remember. Uh, yeah, me. Him up to that <laughs> target, and then we were off the field and. Uh, with a very, very chaseable score. Well, I'll tell you what they did. Because um, he, he went off and he had 300 in his mind, didn't he? He said, listen, I'm, yeah. I, I think 300 yeah. was going to be the total. That's what we thought. And yeah. uh, Nasser threw a figure at them, didn't he? And he said, 260. And Anzi said, OK, 260 will do. And every, we all, uh, I remember that situation we had and we all thought, 260? Yeah. Surely not 260. And it actually, because we bowled OK, it ended up being us chasing 249 for victory. The yeah. set is 249 off, uh, uh, I can't remember how many overs, but it was, uh, was it 60-odd overs or something? That comes to mind. 60-odd overs, I think, yeah. Took it, took it down to a very chaseable one-day score, didn't it? And that's... You know, put, put from my own personal point of view, I was thinking this this is more like it for me. Got a very very sensible equation. I was a good one day cricketer, and uh, remember we, we got off to a reasonably good start. We were we were doing all right. We were, we were chasing the score down. I mean, we had two or three quick wickets. I've been put down to to five, I think five or six, and or Vaughan. We I remember walking out again to bat um, with Vaughan. Um, and it was a long walk down, wasn't it, Centurion? Down those steps, onto the field, walked out. I got Nancy Hayward bowling first ball. Rapid bowler. And I'm taking guard, and I look behind me. I hear this noise behind me, and I hear Mark Boucher right up. And he's right behind the stumps. And I sort of said, what are you doing? Like that. And he said in the most polite, um, put-on English accent, he said, Mr. Adams, I thought it would only be too polite if I came up here to welcome you to the very last day of your test career. Oh. And with that, he's, he's headed off about a mile back. And three balls later, I nicked off and I was walking off, chuckling away to myself inside. He was absolutely right. It was a great sledge. It was a brilliant sledge to me. And uh, But, but you know, it, with me getting out, it wasn't over because, you know, everybody, there are moments in time, aren't there, when 
when people take their moment. I haven't taken mine, but uh, Michael Vaughan managed to take his moment in that test match. Like me, he hadn't had a great series. It was his first series. But if I remember, he got, he got a really, really good 80. He looked class, class eight. Yeah, I think him and Alex Stewart uh, played really, really well that day. Uh, yeah. you, you got it spot on. I mean, Nantier would bowled absolutely rapid that game uh, on yeah. a quick, bouncy pitch. And um, he, he, in fact, Stewie got 73 and Vaughan, he got 69. And then uh, we lost. We had another collapse, didn't we, then? We had uh, a collapse. We we did. Had, yeah. Maddie, Maddie was run out. Yeah. And then Caddick got knocked over uh, for... Zip um, by Pollock, and then I had to go in, and I still wasn't <laughs> recovered. And NASA, if you remember, you might not remember this, Grace, but NASA told me he was going to send me in as pinch hitter, and I had my pads on from the start of the innings, and it was just to keep through. me awake. Yeah, yeah, all the way through. But come on, mate, tell us what happened because it, it was. I remember that I got. I still got a picture at home of me because uh, everyone knows we won the game. Um, but we were nine down at the end, and it, it got really nervy, didn't it? And there's a picture of me jumping up and down in celebration at the win. But what happened? You're out there. Well, I, I just remember Nantier would coming into me, a, a similar thing, Boucher abusing me, Nantier would abusing me. And I had some running battles with him anyway in, in previous uh, warm-up matches and stuff. And I remember the first ball, he hit me on the glove. I thought, oh, dear me. I didn't really see that. And then uh, he bowled me another one, uh, another bouncing next ball, and I pulled him for four. Uh, and that sent us then within a couple of runs of victory. And then I think Silvers um, hit a few runs as well. So we ended up winning. We were eight down. It was a terrific moment. We, did, we didn't know. We, we'd had our suspicions. Uh, we won the test. We'd lost the Series 2-1. But what followed, Grizz, over the next few days when we were reading about some of the things that went on. We, I was in shock, really, especially because Hansi Cronje was such a quiet guy, such a nice bloke as well. And for his name to be mentioned in a match-fixing scandal, um, I, mm. I was gobsmacked, mate. He's just phenomenal, as you said. I don't think... I mean, it's easy to look back now and and, uh, and st- make obvious statements about that test match and about Hansi Cronje. But he, for those that knew him, the run-up to that point... Um, and those that have played against him, you would not you would not have come across a more uh, gentler personality, somebody who was more who appeared to be more straightforward, more honest, more outstanding. You know, it appeared at, at the time that his his old persona was to to put the good of the game first. And and boy, you couldn't, couldn't have got it any more wrong. You know, it was incredible to find out that um, he'd succumbed. Uh, you know, to to the dark and murky world of uh, match fixing. You know, it just to fall foul of that was just mind-boggling in in the days after. Mind-boggling, and the fact that not only was it him that he managed to sort of uh, infiltrate and abuse his position to to pull in some other players and you know more vulnerable players, if you like. Um, was just very, very sad indeed. You know, it's a sad, it's a sad time for, for cricket. Um, it's a sad time for South African cricket. Mm. Um, you know, and, and the story is wasn't a, there was no happy ending, was there? You know, and sadly, a few years later, lost his life. It was a, a really tragic story. 
Well, do you remember uh, when we had a drink that night, believe it or not? Um, we didn't have a drinking problem, that team, but we had a drink that night, celebrated a drink. Um, I didn't drink, I remember that, that night. I went to bed early. <laughs> I did it the wrong way around. But what, what happened, I remember Anzi Cronier walking through reception uh, to what passed us at the bar, and others who were quiet as a mouse said, see that jacket he's got on? I bet he got that leather jacket for, for today's game. And we all laughed, didn't we? And then it came out in the news during the one-day series, but he got a leather jacket. Yeah, yeah, incredible. Unbelievable, yeah. And it was like, it was, I think, I, I don't know what the figures, but it wasn't a lot of money. It wasn't a lot of money, and it was that, and the leather jacket, it was nothing, you know. Mm. It was absolutely crazy, you know. And, uh, yeah, you're right. It was, it was just a, a bizarre few days, you know, for when it came out, for me, it was just, wow, I, you know. And, and I, I don't mind saying, you know, I was a bit naive at that, at that stage, because I know, I know since the Athers and and Stewie and you know yourself and, and people like that have been around and played the game at that level a lot more. You know, you were all sort of sceptical on the day, but mm. I just remember thinking, well, this guy he just wants a positive result. He's trying to yeah. trying to get the game of cricket in South Africa. Um, to another level. Well, it was a great day. It was a great day's cricket. So actually, what he did was put on a show. It was an entertaining show. All the players were trying to win the game. South Africa were trying to win it. We were trying to win it. It ended up being a fantastic last day when there wouldn't have been any cricket whatsoever. It would have just been the most dullest day ever. But it's the way he went about that and the reasoning for doing it. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's worth saying the obvious. Because, you know, the, the, the... for him, what because he got in with the bookies and, and 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 been sort of now has been starting to get manipulated by the bookies, that that all the money had gone on the draw, hadn't it, because of the weather. So any positive result, whether it was a South African win or, or an England win, meant that the bookies would cash in. Anyway, Grizz, um, it's been absolutely pleasure to have you on. It's been absolutely brilliant. Uh, wasn't a great series for you, but you played for England. You got three lines on your shirt. No one's ever going to take that. Uh, away, and you've all been listening to Test of Time on Talksport 2. Thanks, Chris. Cheers, Goffy. Thanks a lot, mate. Take care. Take care, mate. Online and on DAB Digital Radio, Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Talksport 2. Goffy, absolutely brilliant. Uh, big thanks to Chris Adams for being part of Test of Time. I completely forgot that you were batting at the end of that match. Come on, give me some credit. You forgot. I hit the winning oh. run. No, I did, did I hit the winning runs? I can't remember if I hit them or it was silver. <laughs> you can't even remember. I, I was still hung over. No, you were hung over. I remember... All I remember is, but I had my pads on from being one down. NASA said, you're going in as a pinch hitter. I think he was just punishing me all day, NASA. He punished me. Um, and, uh, but, yeah, what a, what a result uh, to win the game in the end. And uh, as, I, as I said there in the interview, do you know something? When you look back, yeah, it was wrong how we got to the result. But i tell you what, it made it an absolutely brilliant day of cricket. Where well, both teams could win. It was exciting, back and forth. Nanty Airwood bowling speed of light. Michael Vaughan coming to the party and announcing himself on the world stage. That was a turning point for him. There were so many good things happened in that game. It was a brilliant, brilliant match. Um, and in some ways, it reminds me of that. Um, you remember when um, Mark Butcher hit that 100-odd at Headingley? Yeah, um, yeah very when, similar, yeah. When we were we were set at a similar kind of t- total, obviously. Well, they were um, going for a five nil, weren't they? And that was uh, yeah. and uh, captain. You remember captain Australia? Gilchrist. Gilchrist, spot on. Yeah, they were going for the yeah. victory, and uh, it was an odd total. When I think about it, how we got that total, I still can't believe it. Butch was brilliant. 
He was absolutely brilliant. Um, something else really leapt out from that interview as well. I mean, uh, um, big thanks to Chris. I, I know I just said it, but what a good talker he is. Brilliant. But, um, Mike Atherton. Now, I never knew this. So after the game, you're all sitting in the bar. You're nursing um, an Alka-Seltzer. I was drinking water, uh, yeah. <laughs> and Hansi Cronje walks past wearing a nice jacket. And Mike Atherton says, I, I bet you he got that uh, jacket from today's game. Honest truth. Uh, we all sat mm. there having a, a celebrated drink and uh, he walked past with a few players. Herschel uh, was one of them. And Anzi, and uh, he said, he said, oh, look at that jacket there. He pulled, it's, it's just a joke, really, when you're just joking about one of the opposition's gone past. After he'd gone past, he'd, he'd gone way past, so he wanted to embarrass him. He said, I bet he got that leather jacket for a day. We all <laughs> laughed about it. And then two days later in the paper... He said the payment was hardly anything. If well, if you believe that, you believe it. But he said part of it was a leather jacket, <laughs> and we were gobsmacked, <laughs> absolutely gobsmacked. And um, others said, "Told you." <laughs> so you uh, it was amazing. You shouldn't laugh, but well, that is quite funny. Mm. Um, it's uh, it's that time of the week, Goffy. We uh, we look ahead to the start of the county season. Uh, Warwickshire this week is the county under the microscope. I'm pleased to say that a man who, uh, well, this time last year, I would have been saying we're looking ahead to Surrey season. But uh, Dominic Sibley moved to Warwickshire at the end of last season, uh, made a, an immediate impact, uh, especially the T20. Uh, unfortunately, the county, uh, well, the, the four-day game didn't go quite as planned for the club. Back to Division 2, but I'm pleased to say that Dom joins us now on the show. Fresh from a, a bit of training in, in Australia, Dom, is that right? Yeah, I spent, um, spent my winter in Perth um, working with a uh, coach called Noddy Holder, who I've worked with the last couple of years, so that was uh, good fun. Uh, this weather's a bit of a shock to the system, but um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's good winter. Is Noddy the, the guy who does all the, um, the blindfold stuff? Uh, I haven't done any blindfold stuff with him, but I know that... Um, He's he's worked with a lot of players in the oh, past. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Rob Key worked with him and uh, a couple of others. So, but yeah, he's a good man. He's a good coach as well. Oh, he's an excellent coach. Yeah, I've, we did a little bit with him actually with England when we were over in Perth. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I've, I've, that's why I, I know he is because he um, yeah he's a fantastic coach. He's got a great reputation, and a lot of the young players go see him, don't they? So, I've, I've, yeah. I'm should having a pre-season this year. Have you got the marquee up? Because you're not going to get much uh, pre-season in with the snow about. No, we've we've got a marquee up, so we've been in there, and um, we we went on a, a team building army camp last week down on Thorny Island in Portsmouth, which was. Uh, which is good, well, which is uh, good fun. But um, yeah, been in the marquee and a bit indoors as well. Um, Dom, it was a, a bit of a mixed season in the end. Um, I suppose at this start of the year, very often the question is all about the T Twenty stuff, um, and it was a, a successful year for the uh, the Birmingham Bears. But I suppose it's all about getting out of Division Two this year. Is it? Is that the prime focus for everyone associated with the club? Yeah, absolutely. I think obviously, you know. The T20 was a was a was a you know big bonus last year, especially for me personally coming coming in so quick and getting onto finals day. But obviously as well, um, getting relegated wasn't um, wasn't what the what the club wanted. And you know I think that's the priority is to bounce bounce straight back up into Division One. I think with with Gile, uh, Gile and um, what he's trying to do, isn't he? He's trying to develop um, get a lot of young players into the club, the development side of it. You can see what he's trying to do, but he probably didn't expect to get relegated while, uh, while doing it. So, but it, it looks like the, he's getting the players in that he actually wants now because there was a lot of kind of rebuilding to do at Warwickshire. 
Yeah, definitely. There was a lot of, um, well, there was a few guys that signed last year. I think myself and Adam Hose, uh, and then this year, Will Rose is coming down from Yorkshire. And I think, um, you know, as well as having lots of young guys around, having the, having the likes of, uh, you know, Trotty and Belly, um, having having those guys and their experience, you know, in the in the highest form of the game will uh, will help will help the boys develop. Um, so having that sort of blend of youth and experience, I think, is going to be going to be crucial. You've actually got. Uh, I mean, when you look at the batting lineup, it's it's almost a surprise, really, that uh, not only did Warwickshire struggle, but to such an extent that I think only three players scored more than five hundred runs in four day cricket. But uh, when you when you throw in yourself uh, and the likes of Belly and Trotty, um, and then of course uh, Sam Hayne is going to play uh, Adam Hose. Actually, there's um, there's going to be big selections made because. A couple of guys are actually going to miss out. A couple of big guys are going to miss out of uh, team selection. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's probably a good thing to have. Lots of competition and people pushing each other um, within a within a squad. Um, yeah, Sam Haynes been been doing brilliantly well for the Lions. I saw he got he got a hundred and he's got a few fifties as well. So yeah, I think it's I think it can only be a good thing that lots of people are pushing for places. Uh, yeah, come the first game of the season. And the good thing is you've got Jeetan Patel back. He's basically a bear now, isn't he? I mean, what is it? Is his eighth year or something? He's, he's, he keeps coming back and coming back and performing every single year. So he's a good man uh, to have at the club as well. Yeah, he's a legend. He's captain this year, so um, yeah, looking forward to looking forward to. I think he comes back in a couple of weeks, and um, yeah, the games that the games like the four day games that I played last year, he was uh, he was unbelievable. He scored a hundred against Yorkshire and took heaps of wickets and. I played against him a few times, and he's got me out every time I played against him. So I'm on the same team as him now. Have you got ambitions uh, of captaincy at the the club, Dom? Um, yeah, I think you know, um, being made vice captain is you know, yeah. a massive you know privilege, and um, I'm looking forward to the season working under Jeeps and seeing how we go. And you know, I never say never. It's definitely something that you know is in my mind. But just wanted to this year try and um, support Jeeps and try and do. Score, score my runs and you know take a few wickets in the T20 and sort of go well personally and, and contribute to you know successful team team year. Brilliant stuff. Well, look, Dom, uh, be really interesting to see how you go. But uh, appreciate your time on Cricket Week. Cheers. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks, Dom. Good luck. That's uh, the uh, the Warwickshire and Birmingham Bears vice captain uh, mm. Dom Sibley. Uh, looking forward to uh, to what should be a promising season for. Uh, well, we mentioned all those other players, but uh, he's got a lot of talent. I know there was a lot of disappointment at my club, Surrey, uh, when he left. Uh, just twenty two. Um, he's got a bundle of runs behind him, and uh, I, mean, I know that Ashley Giles are talking about Sam Hayne representing England sometime soon. But uh, no doubt about yeah. it, he's uh, certainly got an eye on the same thing for himself as Sibley. Oh, I think, listen, I think Surrey would be usually disappointed. They lost him, the circumstances, the way it happened. Uh, but they've got a lot of good young players, haven't they, uh, Surrey? And fitting them all in is one of the, the issues. But I think now Surrey could be losing two of their players, well, three, Roy, uh, Curran and uh, Curran uh, to England. Mm. That's why they had to go in and get Ricky Clark. So um, they had to go and get Ricky Clark from Warwickshire. Uh, to actually strengthen their batting lineup, but I think it's a good move all round. Ricky going back to Surrey, uh, where he started, and uh, and Dom a fresh start, vice captain now at Warwickshire. It's it's a good move for him. 
Brilliant stuff. Goffey, that's about it for the end of the show. Big thanks to our guests. Oh. Uh, Harmy, I thought, was absolutely fantastic on uh, on KP, as were you, of course. Uh, Dom Sibley just then, uh, Chris Adams, test of time. And, um, uh, yes, it would be at uh, the same time. Well, actually, no, because we're, uh, we're a bit later this week. But uh, back to our 8 o'clock slot next, time, next week. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Loved it this week. Uh, see you all next week. Goodbye. Uh, you've been listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.